The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. So is same-sex attraction in and of itself sinful, even if you don't act on it? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Oh, yeah. This is one of those days we're going to focus on moral sanity. We're going to look at what's happening in the culture around us. We're going to dig into the scriptures together. We're going to get some wisdom from God and sort through some very difficult and very personal issues, things that touch people's lives, not just abstract theology, but things that touch people's lives in very personal, intimate ways. Michael Brown, welcome to The Line of Fire, again, broadcasting from our studio at Christ for the Nations in Dallas. If you'd like to weigh in on today's subject and answer the question, is same-sex attraction itself sinful? Or is it only sinful to act on it? 866-34-TRUTH is the number to call, 866-348-7884. If you differ and think that same-sex attraction can be fine if it's in a committed relationship and you consider yourself a Christian, by all means, call in and tell us why. Yeah, I will disagree with you in a friendly way, but by all means, call in and tell us why. If there are other questions you want to ask unrelated to today's content, I've got a lot of ground to cover. I want to talk to you about some outrageous things that happened at the Grammy Awards and how it ties in with what I was talking to students about here, about demons and deliverance here at Christ for the Nations. So a lot of ground to cover, a lot of things. I want to talk to you about some major updates on some important court cases, but I may get to some other calls on other subjects. So if you want to weigh in, same number, 866-34-TRUTH. So we all agree if we are Bible-believing conservative followers of Jesus and we hold to historic church and synagogue teaching on gender roles and on the meaning of marriage, then we all agree that same-sex relationships are sinful in God's sight. Now, some of you listening are same-sex attracted, you're in a same-sex relationship, and you say, man, you're just a hater, you're a bigot, you don't understand. Well, give me a hearing, okay? If that's your conclusion afterwards, that's your conclusion, but give me a hearing. Every one of us, as a human being, all of us fall short in different ways. We are flawed out of the womb. We have issues and problems out of the womb. You don't have to teach a little child to lie or to rebel, to say no. We can be selfish, we can be greedy, we can be violent, we can be angry, we can be lustful, we can have all types of issues growing up. And there are things that are inborn in terms of our sinful nature. There are other things that come through society, through growing up, through being influenced in certain ways, through life experience. There are many, many different factors that contribute. But there are many things in us that we recognize, even to the core of our being, whether we're born that way or not, it's just part of sinful human nature, it's something that happened in life experience. To the core of our being, we are sinful and we need redemption and we need mercy. I was not a sinner because I was shooting heroin as a teenager. I was shooting heroin because I was a sinner. I was not a sinner because I was angry and proud and rebellious. I was angry and proud and rebellious because I was a sinner. Those were manifestations of my sinfulness. When I got saved, what does the gospel say? Deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. Even the fundamental aspects of your being, deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. Now you might say if you're same-sex attracted, well, here's the difference. You didn't have to stop being heterosexual. Well, God didn't promise me a wife. God didn't promise me a sexual outlet. 
God didn't promise me anything when I came to faith. It was leave everything, follow me. So our lives belong to him. There are coworkers of ours who've been killed for the faith, martyred because they're followers of Jesus. And in their country, it could cost your life. They've been baptized. They've been killed for preaching the gospel. So be it. Their lives belong to God. So we all have to start with the posture of God doesn't owe us anything. He had incredible mercy on us through the cross. Now from here on, we belong to him. But as I understand the plain, clear teaching of scripture, having looked at all the arguments raised by gay activists, apologists, theologians, different students of scripture, all the objections raised that say, no, no, no. The Bible's only against pederasty. It's only against pedophilia. It's only against prostitution. It's, it's only against promiscuity. It's not against loving, committed, same-sex relationships. I reject that fully and completely based on the clear testimony of scripture. So I have zero question whatsoever. And I know it's painful for some to hear, but no matter how committed you are to each other, you may love each other as much as a heterosexual couple, be just as devoted to each other. You may be raising a child together and doing your best to be good parents. I still say plainly based on the word that it's not God's plan, that it's not God's intent, that it's not God's order. And the very relationship is sinful in God's sight and must be repented of to be in right relationship with him. I know those sound like hard words to many, but open rebuke is better than secret love. Telling the truth is what you do. You go to the doctor. He doesn't tell you what you want to hear. If he's a good doctor, he tells you what you need to hear. And homosexuals, heterosexuals, everybody, wherever you fall, we all fall short. We all need deep repentance, mercy by the grace of God. We need transformation to the very core of our beings. So the question is, same-sex attraction itself, is that sinful? I've been watching a debate among some Southern Baptists there is one Southern Baptist professor who didn't even speak so much of sin, but more just an emotional thing that's wrong, but saying, yes, if you act on it, it's sin, but just the desires themselves, it's not associated with sin. It's more emotional. And others have pushed back and say, how can you say that same sex attraction in and of itself is sinful? So in the same way, if a man was struggling with adulterous attraction, a married heterosexual man struggling with adulterous attraction, isn't that in and of itself sinful or is it only sinful if he acts on it? We say, well, one thing is a temptation. The other thing is part of the very person's nature. Well, the temptation comes in harmony with, with our nature. Um, let me, let me read to you from article eight in the Nashville statement. This is a statement that came out a few years ago. Uh, I signed, I was not one of the initial signers. I wasn't invited to do that, but signed it later on without any hesitation whatsoever in terms, in terms of, human sexuality, human relationships as established by God. So I want to read this to you, Article 8. We affirm that people who experience sexual attraction for the same sex may live a rich and fruitful life pleasing to God through faith in Jesus Christ as they, like all Christians, walk in purity of life. We deny that sexual attraction for the same sex is part of the natural goodness of God's original creation or that it puts a person outside the hope of the gospel. Article nine, we affirm that sin distorts our sexual desires by directing them away from the marriage covenant and towards sexual immorality, a distortion that includes both heterosexual and homosexual immorality. We deny that an enduring pattern of desire for sexual immorality justifies sexually immoral behavior. So we affirm what sin does. We deny that an enduring pattern of desire for sexual immorality justifies sexually immoral behavior. And one more article 10, 
We affirm that it is sinful to approve of heterosexual immorality or transgenderism and that such approval constitutes an essential departure from Christian faithfulness and witness. We deny that the approval of homosexual immorality or transgenderism is a matter of moral indifference about which otherwise faithful Christians should agree to disagree. <clears throat> so I, I affirm those statements. I affirm the affirmation. I deny the denials with them. I don't see anything controversial from a biblical viewpoint about those statements. Certainly nothing hateful, nothing bigoted, just being biblical. But that would seem to say, again, Article 8, that someone could be same-sex attracted and live a holy life. We affirm that people who experience sexual attraction for the same sex may live a rich and fruitful life, pleasing to God through faith in Jesus Christ, as they, like all Christians, walk in purity of life. So in other words, while it would be wonderful for someone who's same-sex attracted to become opposite-sex attracted so they could be married and have children in a natural way, that would be wonderful. God does not call us to heterosexuality primarily. He calls us to holiness. Then obviously the manifestation of holiness will work its way out in all different areas of our lives. But if, if someone, if, if you are same-sex attracted and you want to follow Jesus, you think, I keep saying no, I keep saying no, I keep fighting these thoughts and fighting these thoughts and they don't go away, well, pursue holiness, say no to the flesh, say no to everything displeasing in God's sight. If it keeps coming up, keep saying no, pursue intimacy with God, learn about the incredible grace of God that not only forgives us, but empowers us to live new lives, renew your heart and mind to the word. Perhaps you can get godly counseling to get to the root of some of the same-sex attractions. Perhaps the areas that need spiritual ministry, deliverance. But whatever it is, we're called to be holy, even in the midst of temptations and struggles. What about, though, the desire itself? The desire itself is a sinful desire because it's contrary to God's plan and will, just like an adulterous desire is a sinful desire or a single man or a single woman who's heterosexual and is having sexual fantasies and is tempted to do those, to, to, to engage or to let their mind go in that direction. The very thoughts are sinful thoughts. But I want to make this in, as clear as I can. If you are same-sex attracted and say no to those attractions, by God's grace, live in self-denial and are pursuing holiness you are not the perpetual state of sin because by your fallen nature or by life process, you are same-sex attracted. If, if, if the very fact that you're same-sex attracted means that you're in perpetual sin, then there'd be no hope. And, and the idea that you yourself are an abomination, then that would be true. But that is not what the gospel says, not what the word says. What is called detestable, abominable in God's sight is the action, is the engaging in these things, even in a loving, committed relationship. It is the engaging in these things that is sinful and wrong in God's sight and for which Jesus died like he died for billions of other sins. So same-sex attraction is a sinful attraction. But if you were saying no to that, you were saying no to sin and yes to God. You, look, <clears throat> if, if I'm physically hungry, I'm fasting and I'm physically hungry and my body wants to eat. That is a fleshly desire. That is an earthly desire. It's not a spiritual desire, but I'm saying no to it and honoring God with my body. Therefore, I am in a state of, of consecration and fasting. In the same way, 
All of you who are same-sex attracted and say no to that, I'm not just talking about sexual attraction, romantic attraction, like a heterosexual would experience except for someone of the same sex. The fact that you're saying no and honoring God, that is so incredibly commendable. That is a battle that you're fighting that, that very few of us fight. That is something that should call for the church to stand with you and hold your hands up rather than make you feel bad that fundamentally you yourself and your very nature are in constant rebellion against God. No, if you've been washed with the blood of Jesus, if you've truly asked for forgiveness and mercy and, and confessed Jesus as your Lord and you're seeking to honor him with your body, with your mind, with your heart and your life, man, we're standing with you. We're cheering you on. We are commending you because all of society and so much of the compromised church is against you and the, the pulls are there. We're standing with you and saying you can have a rich, beautiful, glorious life in Jesus. All right, come back and take some of your calls and I got some wild news to share with you as well. Don't go anywhere. You can The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us, Michael Brown. Delighted to be with you, 866-34-TRUTH. Going to go to the phones momentarily, and then oh, look at my list here. Yeah, going to get into some news-related items, give you some updates of interest. So I mentioned yesterday that we've got the copies of my new book almost a month before it's out for the general public, Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith. And here we respond to the question of deconstructing. So many Christians saying we're deconstructing, we no longer believe what we used to believe. And I have a whole chapter in the book, if gay is good, then the church is bad. And the, the reason that I put this in is because a younger generation has gone up grown up thinking very, very differently about same-sex relations, attractions, and things like that. I've mentioned this to you many times, but a Gallup poll in 2021 indicated that people from my generation, baby boomers, it was about 2.8% of our generation living today identified as someone in the LGBTQ plus spectrum. If you go to the generation before ours, it's even less than that. But when you fast forward to Gen Z, Barna found that 21% of Gen Z young people identified as someone in the LGBTQ plus spectrum. Even if only a small percentage were actively engaged in same-sex relationships, there was the identifying with this, identifying as queer, identifying as bi, identifying as trans. It, it was part of the indoctrination of the culture. It was part of the showing solidarity with their friends. It was part of the, the rebelling against the status quo. George Barna, Christian pollster, did a poll as well in 2021 and, and found that 40% of Gen Z young people identified as somewhere in the LGBTQ plus spectrum. So if, if they get a lot of gay identifying friends, bi identifying friends, trans identifying friends, queer identifying friends, if this is cool, if this is neat, if this is in, if this is trending, if, if this is the, the stream that the young people are in, then the church that says these things are wrong, that the church is evil, the church is bad, the church is hitting people over the head with the Bible. It's using the so-called clobber passages to hurt these good people. It's, it's being hateful, whereas all these people want is love. Love is love and love wins. And I have the right to marry the one I love. 
Even President Obama, during the Ober- after the Obergefell decision in 2015, tweeted out, love wins. And that's what it's about. So it's really important we recognize the shift in culture. A radical, dramatic shift, the most dramatic we've ever had, to my knowledge, in our culture on an ideological view in the shortest period of time. It's been extraordinary to see. So we've got to be sensitive to this issue. So in the book, I, I really I, I give you an idea of how things have shifted. Look at polling. Look at, look at factual things. Look at shifts in, in perception. And then say how we have to address this. But we have to demonstrate the love of God, friends. We have to demonstrate the love of God. I've often said, if you cut us, we should bleed love. The same-sex couple comes into our church. They should meet, be greeted with great love, with people who take a genuine interest in love. If a man comes in carrying a Bible, wearing a dress, which is going to happen, maybe not your church, but it's happening in others, come in and, and take a genuine interest in the person. Spend time with them. Reach out to them. And, and then if they claim to be Christians, then you dig deeper. Okay, let's see what the word says, and here's what we teach in our church, and and then you go from there. If they don't know the Lord at all, well, then you reach like reach them like any other person that doesn't know the Lord. You don't major on this issue or that issue. You major on bringing them to the Lord and to right relationship with God. And then, then at that point, either the change is going to come automatically because of their relationship with God, or you're going to have to disciple them to see, or they won't be at home or welcome in your midst. One of those things is going to happen. It's also important that we don't move an inch from what scripture says, not by yelling at people, not by hitting them over the head with scripture verses, not, not by a self-righteous display. Do we not have enough scandals in our own midst as heterosexual Christians? Do we not have enough failings? Do we not have enough no-fault divorces? Do we not have enough pornography in the pew? And on and on. So we, we come with humility, recognizing we're all saved by grace, but we don't move an inch what scripture says. So that chapter in the book, as you get the book, make sure you look at it in conjunction with what we're saying and to get your signed numbered copies. This is collector's edition. You're, you're donating to our ministry. You're getting the book and we're especially marking this for you. So the first few hundred copies, we number them and then I sign them to you by name, put a scripture reference in for you and sign it. I personally have the joy of doing it. The books get all stacked up and then I come in and and, and one of my coworkers hands me the books and gives me the names and we sign them. And it's just a joy to do it. So here's how you get your copy. Call 800-538-5275 just for the book signed, numbered, and we'll get it out to you in advance of it being released to the public. 800-538-5275 or 800-538-5ASK. Go ahead and order as many copies as you want. Maybe get one for yourself, one for your pastor, because it'll be super helpful Super productive, not just here's the problem, but here are the solutions. And again, if we don't have understanding, if we just look at things and why is this terrible sin? How can anybody do that? Then we're not going to help anyone in any walk of life. And one pastor said some years ago, my generation, older generation, we hear the word homosexuality. We think issues. The younger generation hears that they think people. And we're dealing with issues and aggressive agenda in the society. And we're dealing with people. People created in the image of God, fallen like the rest of us, and for whom Jesus died, and for whom there is hope of a beautiful, wonderful, blessed, fruitful life in God, an overflowing life in God. And I know plenty of ex-gays, and even now an increasing number of ex-trans. They're out there, and they're thriving in the Lord. All right, so you can also go online to our website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org. Just click on store and order the numbered, signed copies Again, only through our ministry can you get them that way. All right, with that, 
we are going to go to the phones. Hang on. I just got to move a paper out of the way here. And we start with Steve in Ohio. Welcome to the line of fire. Are you there? All right, Steve's gone, but his question, which I'm going to put up anyway, what is your view of a person with both sexual organs? So there are various categories, androgynous, uh, under a heading of intersex, there are many different things. There could be someone born with ambiguous sexual organs or dual sexual organs. So what do you do in a case like that? It's less than 1% of the population, but still that 1%, some of you are listening right now. You are precious in God's sight and created in his image. But that's another part of, of the fall of man. There, there are flaws to our bodies in the way that they work. So it, it should be looked at like any disability. In other words, you, you don't build a doctrine on it. You don't rearrange life based on it. So, for example, if you had a, a child in a school that was blind, you don't teach everyone in the school to, to use Braille. You try to help that child and, and accommodate that child as best as you can. So in the same way, we recognize this as a, as a disability. In the past, doctors thought it was easier if, if you had dual genitalia or ambiguous to just make the child look male and that they would just grow up however you raise them. But they found out in some of the cases that, that wasn't right. It was actually a girl. And now they made the girl to look like a boy and it wasn't right. So what, as I understand that, I want to speak with sensitivity here as someone who can't relate to this personally, as most of us can't relate to it personally, as sensitively as I can say this, what I understand is best to do is allow the child to begin to grow and develop. We're not talking about someone that's clearly biological male, clearly biological female, both by clear biology and by DNA. We're not talking about that. We're saying maybe there's some ambiguity uh, in, in the chromosome, there's a chromosomal disorder, there's a biological disorder. The best thing to do is to allow the child to begin to grow and develop. And then from there, you can see how the child is developing and then get the appropriate surgery, if possible, to make modifications. This is totally different from someone who is convinced that they are a boy on the inside, even though they are biologically and chromosomally female. No, that, that person we help from the inside out. We help them renew their heart and their mind to be in conformity with biological and chromosomal reality. But there are cases where there are ambiguities, and this is the best way to deal with it. All right, I think I've got time to try to take another call. Uh, Jim in Raleigh, North Carolina, welcome to the line of fire. Yes, uh, I had a, have a two. Hello? I'm here. Go ahead. Okay. Yes, I have a two-part question. One is, uh, do you believe it's sinful for it, uh, to be uh, for same-sex marriage? And the second yes. one is, do you believe it's sinful to marry, divorce, and remarry? Ah, so no question whatsoever that same-sex marriage is sinful. It is never right or blessed in God's sight, no matter how much the people love each other or profess love for God, which they may feel deeply, it's always wrong. I do believe there are cases where there is the possibility of remarriage after divorce. Uh, some of my colleagues say that, no, Scripture indicates as long as the spouse is still living, say Romans 7, 
that no matter what the, the person did, in other words, a man could commit adultery five times. He could be violent towards his wife. He divorces her. He remarries someone else that she is not free to remarry as long as he's still alive. I respect that view, sir, but that's not my view itself. I do believe that Matthew 5, Matthew 19 do provide an exception clause for sexual immorality that was also recognized Jewish teaching in that time. And I do believe Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, when he's talking about a believer married to an unbeliever, maybe they're both unbelievers, one gets saved. Now the unbeliever, uh, the unbeliever uh, leaves. So the unbeliever wants out of the marriage, they leave, maybe they go marry someone else. Paul says that the believer is not bound in such cases. It is language that elsewhere is used in terms of a legal binding with a marriage. So I understand that there could be remarriage on the other side. So we do our best to reconcile, but I do believe there are cases where there can be remarriage after divorce, even while the other spouse is living. But everyone's got to work that out for themselves, scripturally, because that's a major issue. All right. Thank you, sir, for the call. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right. We're going to dig into some things that are going to be pretty eye-opening for you. 866-34-TRUTH if you would like to weigh in. By the way, we've in the past taught a lot about the divorce issue. It's such an important question, such a major question and people ask me, can I do this or not, Dr. Brown? What's your advice? And, and I really encourage people on, on those type of decisions, which are so life critical, to sit with their, their local leader, pastor, assuming they're in a healthy congregation, to work these things through. And then if they feel that they're free to remarry, just to be convinced be, before God based on scripture, not by someone else's advice, because this is something you live with and you need to know for sure about decisions that you are making. And I appreciate those that have different views on this subject. All right. <clears throat> so I was talking to students at Christ for the nations yesterday on the subject of demons, deliverance, deliverance is, is very prevalent again. in a lot of charismatic Christian circles, we're hearing more and more talk about it. And I was saying that I have personally believed for, for years now that Satan is going to get much more overt in what he does in our society. It's going to be much more open. It's going to be much more out there, less hidden, so if, if you go to a country in Africa and you're ministering the gospel, maybe a large crowd of thousands of people and you're preaching the gospel and the Holy Spirit starts moving, it's not unusual to see people having demonic manifestation. I mean, convulsing, screaming, shaking, different things, foaming at the mouth, and, and then people will, will take them out to the side and minister to them and they get set free. And next day they're testifying how Jesus delivered them. And you tend not to see that in our American society as much. You see people doing things that are very demonic and evil and wrong, but you don't tend to see some of that outward manifestation as much. And I said, I, I personally expected in the days to come, I said this yesterday morning, so Monday morning at CFNI, I said, I personally expect in the days to come that we're going to be seeing a lot more of this type of stuff, just getting manifest and open and, and out in the society and Satan being less veiled and hidden. And I mentioned to the students that back in the late 60s, early 70s, there was a radical feminist group that had the acronym WITCH, which stood for Women's International Terrorist Conspiracy from Hell. Yeah, that was actually their name. Obviously, they meant it on a certain level. On another level, it may have been tongue-in-cheek. They would put hexes on Wall Street or on President Nixon and things like that. 
So they, they were quite extreme radical. But most groups don't come out and tell you, hey, we are an international terrorist conspiracy from hell. They don't just come out in your face. Even if you think of those seeking to change the world, say gay activists, in the earlier days, it was we're here, we're queer, get used to it, in your face, overt and as extreme and, and depraved looking as possible. And then gay strategists said that's actually not working. The better way to, 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 to change things is to basically say we're just like the neighbor next door, even if it's a little exaggeration there. Say, we, you know, we just our lives are exactly the same as your lives and like the neighbor next door and to kind of change people's perspectives. And obviously the truth is somewhere in between those, those two extremes. In any case, in any case, I said I expect to see things get more and more overt. And then I, I get back to, to my room on campus at, at the school here. I get back to my room and I'm looking at my computer, looking at some different things. And I'm seeing these headlines coming in because I hadn't seen the morning news. I'd gotten up, prayed, then gone and, and taught. So I hadn't looked at news and I certainly didn't see the Grammys. I wasn't even conscious that the Grammys were on Sunday and I don't follow it. And here you have a report of, of a song called Unholy. The song itself is a big hit already. Unholy. And by the way, there's songs with plenty worse lyrics than Unholy. I, I looked at the lyrics to the song, but it's over Unholy. And the main performer, Sam Smith, who identifies as non-binary. So he says he doesn't fit on the, the male-female spectrum. And then Kim Petras, who identifies as transgender, so biological male identifying as female. You had them performing the song Unholy with hellish flames in the backdrop, with with uh, Sam Smith having a, a hat with horns coming out, satanic horns, with drag queens and sexual perverse themes performing. <laughs> Could you have been any more overt? Could You say, well, it's just exaggerated. Nobody, uh, uh, you're, you're talking about a public display that is as openly satanic and violating God's plan for humanity in terms of male, female, as shouting as loudly as you can shout it on public TV, and it's a big hit. Wow, they nailed it. You're talking about something hellish. Well, I, I got a text from Becca Shea. She's a contemporary Messianic Jewish gospel artist, and she has taken some songs, and she has changed the lyrics and made them into gospel-based lyrics, and she has a, a she has. A, a video for those watching on YouTube. Uh, we, we put the, uh, the link up for you. I've got an article coming out uh, tomorrow and the article will have a link to this as well. But it's basically saying if unholy was a Christian song, it starts out with the words who Yavo, which in Hebrew is he's coming. So it's God is coming. Jesus Yeshua is coming. So I, I, I can't play the whole thing on the broadcast here. Uh, it's, it's her video, but she said, by all means play it on the show and link to it. Uh, she sent it to me. So this, this is great. This is just great. I want to play the first minute something. So let's take a listen to Becca Shea making unholy into a holy song. Don't you 
don't you boy don't you know all of heaven is watching angels always bring back the places you should be if only you know how to keep your vision clean we are for you should know hell is hot so you ought to stop and go do something holy he'll be back yeah he's coming soon so stop being a fool you should go now get ready He's coming back with all right back is shay you say i i've got to see that whole video so just go on youtube and type in her name becca shay b-c b-e-c-k-a-h and then s-h-a-e becca shay and you'll find you'll find her version of unholy yeah, that's, that's the way to do it. And yes, he's coming back. And yes, there is judgment. And no, it's no game. So to, I don't know how deeply the people performing or the Grammys want it to be overtly satanic in terms of that's who we are. Or was it more a matter of let's just mess with people and do this radical thing? Either, either way, either way, it's the same overall effect. Either way, it's the same overall message. And it was just striking to me. I talked about it yesterday morning about Satan being more overt, coming out of hiding in that regard, not trying to disguise things. You know, many cults are like that, that they, they start disguising things. Oh, no, we teach this. Oh, no, we believe that. And then when they get you in deep enough and you've been thoroughly brainwashed and indoctrinated, they tell you the rest of who they are and what they really believe. That's why when you're debating some of these groups, you try to bring up the extreme stuff right off the start so people realize, hey, this is not where we want to go. Look, in, in the same way, I, I, look, I fully understand that there are heterosexual people who are depraved and who got into that and thought, that is awesome. And there are gay people watching thinking, that is gross. I, so I understand, I'm not making a generalization here. But I can tell you this, many Americans who are sympathetic to same-sex relations and saying, hey, I don't want to be bigoted and hateful, and if people love each other, what's, what's that my business in terms of what they do or how they do it? It's, it's fine, and they can be good parents like anybody else, and, and they want it to be tolerant, loving. They didn't sign up for drag queens wearing satanic horns, reading to toddlers in libraries or performing in churches and, and shaking their hips and swiveling. And They didn't sign up for that around little children. They didn't sign up for a 15-year-old biological boy identifying as a girl and sharing a locker room and bathroom with their 15-year-old daughter. They didn't sign up for that. I mean, I know it for a fact. I've interacted with some people. There was a very liberal school board in the city that I lived near, and we, we were there at a meeting, and, and one of the school board members switched his vote. Liberal, pro-gay, all that said, ah, oh, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't want my wife and daughter in the bathroom with a biological male. Didn't realize some of the implications. So as things keep going to their further extremes, where even gender realities are denied, and then many, many other things happen in our society, it's going to get clearer and clearer, which means let our light shine more brightly. Here, Sam Smith, Kim Petrus, for whom we pray, may they really come to know God's love and mercy and transformation. May they find repentance and new life in Jesus. <clears throat> they... They're performing, they're doing what they're doing, shouting it out boldly. They're not ashamed. Why are we ashamed? Well, I don't want to be offensive in what I say. Well, tell people what you believe. Tell people what you hold to. Be clear. Yeah, there are some matters where you say, yeah, well, there's, 
a debate here. Some say this, some say that. And there are different viewpoints on these things. I get it. I understand it. There are plenty of things you'll ask me about. And I'll say, well, it's a difficult issue, you know, end time issue or theological issue or things or interpretation of a verse. Some scholars say this, some this. We're talking about things that are not life-defining and foundational in a doctrinal way. Yeah, there's some debate about various issues, but there are other things. Most of the Bible is black and white clear. It's yes and no. It's life and death. It's heaven and hell. It's God or devil. So while the world is shouting things out loudly, clearly, without shame, for many of our pulpits, many of us individuals, why don't to offend them? Well, you're going to hurt them by not telling the truth. Remember the Thomas Sowell quote. I may not have it exactly right. But, but if, if you love people, you tell them what they need to hear. Or if you care about other people, you tell them what they need to hear. If you care about yourself, you tell them what they want to hear. Would you go to a doctor and knowing that the doctor doesn't want to hurt your feelings, the nicest doctor in the world, so sweet and, and compassionate and caring, but they don't tell you that you've got a, a serious disease. And if you don't treat it now, you're going to die. Better that they rock your world. Better that they, they say things that hurt you. Over the decades when Nancy used to talk to me about my weight when I was heavy or other things, if I was just pushing too hard in life or if I wrote something and she didn't agree with it, it wasn't to hurt me. It was to help me. Hey, hon, take a look at this chapter. Tell me what you think. I don't like it. Well, it hurt my feelings. Well, she's not not concerned about my feelings. She wants me to help people and minister to them in my writing. So I've had to say, okay, this is not about me. This is about helping people. So the same way pastors, leaders don't dance around issues in the end. In the end, everybody's going to be upset. In the end, everybody's going to be upset. More to come. Got another video clip to pray for you. Stay right here. fire with your host dr michael brown get on the line of fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH here again is dr michael brown thanks friends for joining us on the line of fire hey i want to give you an update on my workout yesterday i I told you that right after radio i was going to take my trivita supplements the nitric oxide that helps with uh, blood flow and oxygen and myohealth amino acids that's for protein, uh, it's a protein substitute. So you help as you're, especially as you're getting older, muscle uh, development works against atrophy, various other things. So I've been using these before my workouts to supplement my healthy lifestyle and otherwise my exercising. So I uh, hit the workout yesterday and we had about 15, 16 folks show up. So we, we did a team thing where Everyone would do the same thing, but as soon as one person finished one part, the next would join in, and we we total team. I, I don't I don't think we ever f- took uh, kept track of all the time, but anyway, the workout. So I went first just to kind of set the pace and show the way. The, the workout was a 500 meter row. Then you jumped off that at hesitation. You did 20 push-ups. Jumped off that, ran over to a station where you pull yourself up and do 40 knee lifts. Ran over from that, grabbed 15 pound weights and did 60 curls. Jumped off for that, took 10-pound uh, weights and did what are called flies, these shoulder exercises, 80 of those. So everything went up by 20. Then 100 jumping jacks. Then for fun, we doubled the last 200 crunches. So I ran through it, you know, a couple of times, caught, caught my breath, but pushed through. And, and nobody quit. 
nobody quit, but but yeah, I, I think I think I did the best pace overall time overall. The funny thing was we were done. When we were done, I I was ready to do another workout. We were laughing about it. I was just energized. Then we started doing planks. So, you know, side plank, left plank, right plank, different planks and quoting scripture to each other. They're asking me to quote in Hebrew. And we just had a blast. And, you know, great spirit, didn't quit. But I called, I called Nancy afterwards. I said, it's just uncanny. I, I mean, so the healthy lifestyle is the foundation of everything. But now just adding in these healthy supplements for our, for our partner, Tribetus, I'm just, I'm feeling amazingly energized. So, so again, it's not an excuse to go out and eat peanut M&Ms like I used to and chocolate ice cream all the time and pizza and pig out on stuff. So you join things with healthy lifestyle. But boy, these, these supplements, they really work. They really work. Find out about Nopalea also. That fights chronic inflammation of all different kinds. Here's your special number to call. 800 771 That's 800 771 5584. Tell them Dr. Brown sent you, right? Find out what special discounts you get and ask them questions. Say, I'm looking to do this or this. What would you recommend? They're, they're ready to do that. 800-771-5584 or use the code BROWN25 at Trivita.com. Trivita.com, BROWN25, capital B, BROWN25, get 25% off. And our reminder, 100% of your first order goes to the line of fire. From Trevita, 100%. And then more than a tithe of all future orders will go to Line of Fire to help us blanket America. Let's start a radio revolution together, friends. We can do it. All right. A couple weeks ago, I gave you an update from the island of Malta about Matthew Grech, G-R-E-C-H. Same last name as one of our grads, a champion on the front lines, preaching the gospel to the Muslim community in the Middle East. And our grad knows Matthew personally, spent time with him, said he's a real disciple. Matthew gets arrested. He gets interrogated. He's now in court cases because he publicly said on TV that Jesus changed his life and he's no longer homosexual. What? You, you cannot say that. That's endorsing conversion therapy. That's against the law in Malta. You say you're exaggerating. No, no, this is reality. So I got an update from our grad, uh, with Matthew sharing what's going on. And you can, I, I love it. There's joy. There's confidence. He's not backing down, but this is an outrage. And by God's grace, I'm believing this is going to help turn the tide against these draconian laws that are being passed around the world. And are threatened to be passed in America as well. They're already passed in a bunch of States for minors, but for people of all ages, right? Let's listen to what Matthew had to say. Hey friends and supporters all across the world. I just wanted to drop by to give you an update on what happened yesterday at the criminal court uh, regarding this case uh, that uh, we are co-accused in uh, regarding so-called conversion practices and allegations of advertising such practices. So um, there is another hearing set uh, for the 9th of June um, so there's, you know, good legal representation on the defense side of things. It's kind of getting heated uh, a little bit because it, this thing um, touches on freedom of press, but also, um, you know, freedom of religion, conscience, expression. I mean, a bunch of fundamental freedoms that most people are very passionate and zealous about, of course. And so um, the case is expected to just build up uh, leading up to uh, the 9th of June, where the witnesses will be heard. And there, it, there are quite a few witnesses 
apparently uh, lined up for this case. So um, let's keep praying. Let's keep fighting uh, to the end this disgusting woke agenda that we've very much had enough of. Things are going to turn around. Things are not going to be the same ever again because the Lord is with us and we're not going to allow the enemy to have all this ground in our nations, in our cities. We are the hope of this world. We are the light of this world. That, that's what Jesus said. We are the salt of the earth and we're not going to lose our flavor. We're going to be faithful with the message that God entrusted us with. So um, let's keep praying, guys. Let's keep being active. Let's keep being vocal and very much a part of the solution in our nations and in our environments everywhere. God bless you and thank you for standing with us and being watchful in the spirit. Much love from Malta. What, what a wonderful testimony. Here he's facing criminal charges. He could go to jail. He could have to pay a fine under law in Malta. And here he is smiling, saying, we're not backing down. Of course, what's he going to say? Oh, Jesus didn't change my life. I'm lying about my testimony. I'm going to deny the goodness and the power of God because I'm afraid of a court case and a ridiculous law. And, and no one is saying, oh, you believe your kids should be kidnapped and put in a gay therapy camp. No one is kidnapping kids and putting them in a gay therapy camp. And you're talking about adults who said, I want to get to the root of my same sex attraction and, 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 and get help. Or someone through the gospel is transformed. Pastor sits with them, ministers to them. They're transformed. Jesus just works in their lives. We're going to back away from that? No, no, this needs to be faced down. And this needs to be changed radically, dramatically, and quickly. And for minors, absolutely for minors who say, I want help. I'm not happy with same-sex attraction. I'm not happy being tormented like I'm in the wrong body. Uh, I want help from the inside out. And parents say, great, let's get you help. The fact that it's illegal, that is immoral immoral to make it illegal for someone saying, I would like help. <clears throat> so good, good job, Matthew. We should pray for him because he'll be under increasing attack. May God bring about international change through cases just like this. All right. I want to bring you to an article. I said, I was going to share with you yesterday and I just lost track of it over the course of the show. A few weeks ago, we talked about, we played a clip of a woman being arrested in England a pro-life activist for standing in front of an abortion clinic and praying silently. She said, police said, were you praying? Well, I may have been in my head. Well, no, no. She, when, when she was brought in, even though the guy's being polite to her, the police officer, she was interrogated. They showed her pictures. Were you praying at this time? Think of this. It's utterly outrageous. I'm not making any of this up. This is why we've been shouting from the rooftops for years because we, we must awaken the nation to these realities, friends. That's where we're on the air. One of many reasons. So here's an article, February 6th. So yesterday on Fox, charges dropped against UK woman for silent prayer outside abortion clinic, though she still vows legal fight. UK's Crown Prosecution Service may bring additional charges against Isabel Vaughn Spruce. UK authorities have dropped charges against a woman who was arrested for silently praying outside an abortion clinic in December, but warned she may face additional charges that's December, Isabel Vaughn Spruce, the director of the UK March for Life, was standing near the BPAS Robert Clinic in Kings Norton, Birmingham. When police approached after an onlooker complained, she might be praying outside the abortion facility. <gasps> the crime. 
One spruce was standing in an area under a public square's protection order, which establishes a safe zone around abortion clinics and prohibits engaging in any act of approval, disapproval, including praying. What an outrage of human freedoms. You can't stand in front of an abortion clinic and pray silently. And you can't say, hey, if you'd like help, if you want any other alternative, not yelling at people, not screaming at them. If, if you'd like to know about alternatives, we're here to help. What kind of society does this? Despite the dropped charges, the Crown Prosecution Services warned Warren Spruce charges may well start again in the near future, according to a report by Alliance Defending Freedom UK. This is a warning prosecutors can issue when they expect that further evidence will be received. Ooh, maybe they'd read her mind, get further evidence. To get a clear answer on whether silent prayer at near abortion clinics is unlawful, Vaughn Spruce says she will now be seeking a clear verdict in court. The pro-life activist said she intends to continue supporting women seeking alternatives to abortion. Quote, it's important to me that I continue my vital work in supporting women who'd like to avoid abortion if they only had some help. In order to do so, it's vital that I have clarity as to my legal status. Many of us need an answer as to whether it's still lawful to pray silently in our own heads. That's why I'll be pursuing a verdict regarding my charges in court. She said, it can't be right that I was arrested and made a criminal only for praying in my head on a public street. So-called buffer zone legislation will result in so many more people like me doing good and legal activities like offering charitable support, charitable support to women in crisis pregnancies or simply praying in their heads, being treated like criminals and even facing court. May God awaken the church in the UK to stand. May God awaken the church in America to stand. Friends, these are life and death issues. May God give you grace and courage. And keep listening, friends. We will help infuse you with faith and truth and courage every day right here on The Line of Fire. Another program powered by The Truth Network.